Hello, everybody. It's Lucas Holmes and David Redden here with our LJ and Redders uh, AFL podcast, our weekly podcast we're doing for a few for a few years now. And the great man, journalist and broadcaster Lucas Holmes is with me. And g'day, Louis. Good evening. And I hope you're well up there in in Lake Macquarie. I sure am, David. Likewise for you in Sydney at the moment, my friend. And the uh, world of Australian rules football doesn't disappoint. Plenty going on, David. A tribunal hearing over the week, oh, yesterday, unfortunately, contracts. Contract extensions galore, and there's even an AFLW women's draft tonight to uh, round it all off. So there's plenty going on. Yeah, we'll we'll do that. We'll do some uh, things off field uh, before we look at uh, some uh, a quick re- look at the results, and then what is a there's some cracking games of football this weekend. Uh, Louis, first of all, Tom Stewart got four last night at the uh, tribunal. He uh, committed an, a very ordinary bump against Dion Prestia and concussed Prestia so badly that he's out this week. Uh, four weeks, I think, around the grounds has been viewed as quite reasonable and fair without being light. Um, I must admit I agree. It was a bad buck. It's as simple as that. Prestia was clearly wounded. And um, I, th- I think Stewart's handled himself well and he got exactly what he deserved. Yeah. It, the bump was – it was a bump, firstly, David. It was late and it was high. And, the, and, and to run it off, Prestia was in a vulnerable position because he just tapped the ball on so he'd relaxed. And we, and we see how incidents occur when players relax. And it wasn't even half a second, um, not even that. They were in Geelong's defence, they were trying to argue the case down to three weeks. One of the elements being that Stewart had a little to no time to react. But there's that. And there's also the duty of care that players need to take, David. And it was a severe breach of the duty of care that the um, that the AFL's defence argued. And I, as you said there, David, it's a, it's probably the right call. We've spoken about the bump at large the last couple of seasons. You and I have been doing this and we're seeing less and less of it. And it's for reasons like this. So unfortunate Prestige had to miss the week, David, but as we all know with the um, percussion, sorry, concussion protocols, excuse me, that there's a mandatory, I think it's a 12-day, um, more or less a stand-down period that players have to uh, pass the, all the necessary tests and things like that. So Dion Prestia will miss this. Will miss a big game this week, David. And Tom Stewart, his first uh, suspension in his career, will miss the next four. And Geelong, too, have some very um, important fixtures coming up for them as well. Like it's probably good for them. They won that that brilliant game of football on the weekend. Lucas, contract signings, the biggest of which, to be quite fair, was former Brownlow medalist Lockie Neal, who's going very well in the Brownlow medal this year, which I'll talk about. I've got my uh, predictor up here on ESPN waiting to talk with you about it. Lockie Neal signed a contract to the end of 2026. And also um, Darcy Cameron, which will make you very happy as well um, in black and white. But first of all, under Lockie Neal. Yeah, Neil. Um, it was interesting too, David, because he came across a number of years ago now in that highly publicised deal from Fremantle. And there was a little bit of media speculation towards the end of last season that there were there was speculation that Neil could potentially go back um, to the West Coast of Australia, going back to Fremantle. Um, but that was buffed very quickly from the Brisbane Lions. And he since then, as of yesterday, signed a new contract extension at the end of 2026, David, as you said, 2020 Brownlow medalist. And he's gone from strength to strength and he's the real core of their team now. Be interesting to see he's 29 years of age. He's not the captain at the moment. It's actually Dane Zorko who's also entering the twilight of his career. If the uh, captaincy gets put on to Lockie Neal in the next couple of seasons, we have to wait and see there. But nonetheless, one of the top three or four um, midfielders for me in the competition at the moment. And he's a real linchpin. If Brisbane were to win a premiership in the next two or three seasons, he'd be 
the one they'll be building around and be wanting to build around alongside of Harris Andrews for me. Darcy Cameron. Yeah, three three year deal, David, for the uh, former Sydney Swan. He's come on leaps and bounds. Really, he's been playing as a yep. ruck forward. Um, he's only he only played a game or two at Sydney before uh, he was traded to Collingwood a few years ago. He's only twenty six years of age, David, and as we know, um, that rucks and key position players usually take a couple of more years to mature, mm-hmm. fill out in their body size, and develop as a footballer. He's done exactly that. He's filled the void of. Uh, the injuries to Brody Grundy the last couple of seasons, David, he's done an outstanding job um, around the ground and he's actually been quite handy um, going inside the Ford 50 and kicking a couple of goals as well. And speaking of a couple of uh, kicking a few goals, David, another contract extension, huge for the Hawthorne Football Club for me is Mitchell Lewis. He's been outstanding so far this season, David. It was interesting. It was almost a joke a couple of years ago when Lewis was signed. It was when both Sam Mitchell and Jordan Lewis part of the Hawthorne Football Club and they've, and they've um, drafted a namesake in Mitch Lewis at the time. Uh, he was picked 76 in the 2016 National Draft, David. He's a, come on absolute leaps, leaps and bounds the last couple of years. He's only He only turned 23 uh, last October and he's kicked 70 goals in 44 games for the Hawthorne Football Club. So Hawthorne, as we know, first year under Sam Mitchell, younger, um, up-and-coming list. He's going to be the linchpin for Hawthorne in there, you'd expect for them to rise back to the top fairly quickly. I'm not so convinced, to be honest. I'll go further than that. I don't reckon Hawthorne will win another premiership this decade. I don't think they're good enough. I don't think they, they fell. They got a series of good players at the one time that their nominal best player left for the money in Sydney, but they had a series of world-class footballers at the one time fall into their lap. And then they had top-tier players and excellent second-tier players. Probably half of their side was superb left-foot kicks. The, the mix was there, and I'm not convinced that they will, to be honest with you. I think that the up-and-coming sides in the competition are probably Fremantle, Melbourne, or they're already there. The Western Bulldogs are going to be there. Collingwood, Geelong are going to get old very quickly. Very. Sydney. Sydney. Do not, I'm convinced that if Collingwood continue, and I'm being objective here because you know I'm not a great Collingwood fan, but I do love football. And Collingwood, I'm convinced, will be dueling for a premiership 23 24. I'm not convinced about 22. I think they'll make the eight. But Hawthorne, uh, there's, I know it's a big call. I don't think they'll win another premiership this decade. There you go. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Hawthorne, for me, are one of the sides, though, that are normally their worst and their best isn't too far in between. We've seen that the last couple of years. They've bottomed out a little. But it's, Hawthorne and Sydney have sort of been on the same path the last <laughs> decade to a decade and a half. They very rarely miss finals. They're often very composed, very settled side. But as you said there, winning a premiership when you've got some of those top-tier sides um, we saw that with Port Adelaide the last couple of years. They had, they had the right mix. I think their premiership window is well and truly past them now as well. But Hawthorne, Mitch Lewis, just on the re-signing, is a huge one for them going forward. The other team that I think will start to become more and more uh, relevant in the league are the Gold Coast Suns. Um, Lucas, before we go into a quick review of Round 15, uh, round fifteen AFLW draft tonight. It is, David. It's a big one. We've got four new sides, um, which is great to see the the expansion so rapidly of the AFLW competition. David, in comes Sydney, who have the number one draft pick tonight. 
Hawthorne, Port Adelaide and Essendon. Obviously, Hawthorne, we've spoken about at length, have recruited Sarah Perkins and the former Sydney University player in Louise Stevenson. And we've spoken about it, you and I, at length, about Erin Phillips. She's gone home, in quotation marks, to Port Adelaide and Essendon have a new AFLW side as well. So four new sides. I mean, it'd be interesting tonight too, David. Uh, it, it looks like it might be the second consecutive year because the AFLW draft, I'll preface this very quickly, the AFLW draft is slightly different. The players actually nominate the states I would like to be drafted to. Um, yep. With, because with the, with the structure of the competition at the moment, players still have to work outside of football and things like that, which we hope won't be the case in the years going forward. But it looks like it might be the second consecutive year that a, that a player's not nominated their home state. Last season, Charlie Rowbottom, Victorian, nominated the Gold Coast Suns and went number one to the Gold Coast. And this season, from the Western Jets, played also for Vic Metro, Montana Ham. Looks like she'll be the certain number one pick and will be going to the Sydney Swans. I'll be very interested to see if Isla Sheeran gets picked up tonight. I'll be very interested if she gets drafted low. I think she's a superb talent. Also, um, some AFLW, uh, sorry, yeah. AFL Sydney talent, David, could be... Uh, Dakota Mason's actually on the AFLW website as a chance to get drafted and also from the ACT Cynthia Hamilton um, looks like she could go um, get early in the draft as well it's interesting too Sarah Black AFLW has got her phantom draft out and you, might, you and I will find this interesting David and a few others as well Hawthorne at number two she's got Jasmine Fleming um, going to the Hawthorne Football Club who has a significant family figure a former uh, Australian fast bowler in the family is that, her, is, that, is that Damien Fleming's daughter? Correct. Oh, goodness me. He'll be cock-a-hoop the biologist. Okay. Um, speaking of cricket, let's hope Australia can... Um, I hope Australia are enjoying playing spin bowling. I really do. Over there going to be a lot of spinning gall, my friend. But we we digress. Okay. Quickly, uh, review of results. Melbourne, a magnificent performance. 16-21 to 7-11. They absolutely pogoed Brisbane. I mean, they belted them. Western Bulldogs, 19-11. Hawthorne, 12-11. Great to see the West Coast Eagles continue their progress of the last three weeks. They've been very competitive. They've nearly they went well against Geelong and they've beaten Eston. Eston has look if Alistair, I reckon Alistair's a Clarkson's a chance ending up there at the moment. West Coast by 10 points, 16, 11, 14, 13. A phenomenal result on a huge weekend of sport at Optus Stadium. And it's a huge uh, 14 days. They've got a um a rugby union test match at Optus Stadium this week as well. So lots and lots of world-class footy on at Optus. Carlton 12-9, a statement game over Fremantle 7-8. In one of the games of the season, Geelong very late, 13-11 over Richmond 13-8. Just a great game of football. I watched quite a bit of this next one, and the Swans were everywhere. It looked like they had 22 men. Sydney 12-11, St Kilda 4-8. That's an absolute shellacking at their CG, and Sydney needed to win. Adelaide, as predicted by Lucas and David, 17-13, easily over North Melbourne at Bell Reeve. Taylor Walker, unstoppable. The Giants, again, playing decent football, although Collingwood's poor shooting flattered the Giants. Let's be fair. Collingwood, 11-22, the Giants, 12-5. However, Lucas, which we'll talk about in a minute, the Giants, again, playing competitive, accountable football. And in another thrilling game of football at the Adelaide Oval, despite a very good performance from Tuke Miller, Port Adelaide, 13-15, the Suns, 13-13. Lucas, let's start with let's start with something very close to home, Collingwood and GWS. Not a bad game of footy here. Collingwood, I thought, had this control most of the game, and the Giants just kept on coming. They did, David. I only got about the second half of this contest, but the, the Pies had it out to about 37 points at one stage there, and the 
Giants came home with a wet sail at an extremely drenched MCG, David. I think it was six, it was either six goals to one or six goals to two in the final term. Uh, Jake Riccardi opened the scoring. He had two quick goals, one off a, an interesting Darcy Moore uh, deliberate rush behind, if you didn't get the chance to see that one, but we might ch- chat about that later on. Um, I thought Connor Iden was extremely good behind the football for the Giants, David, and uh, Harry Himmelberg continues to rack up the possessions. He had, he had upwards of 30 against North Melbourne at Marvel Stadium a few weeks ago and had into the high 20s, early 30s, and Stephen Canelio uh, continues to impress for the Giants as well, David. Yep, uh, and Collingwood again winning, and that's they've found a way. Over the, they've been terrific in the last six or seven weeks. If I was a Collingwood fan, which I'm not, um, I think I would be quite pleased where my the direction my football club is heading, given the turmoil off field, the change of coach. I think Collingwood, uh, as I said a minute ago, being objective, are going places, and if they can continue to recruit, they remember Bodie Grundy hasn't played much this year at all. And uh, by the way, how far away would Grundy be? Are we thinking four to six? They're talking potentially round 18 or 19. So we're going to round 16 this week, David. So another two to three weeks away at this stage. But as I spoke about before with Darcy Cameron playing the way he's playing at the moment, Cameron's not as not as maybe reliable around the ground um, as Grundy at, at ground level. But Cameron going going inside the Ford 50, much like Grundy likes to do. It doesn't look like there's much difference, but Cameron's done, done more than a serviceable job. And as we spoke about, I spoke about on Queen's birthday, Mason Cox is having another purple patch in his career. He's really strung together two or three to four weeks of consistent football. Lucas, a very good question for you. I know you've got lots of thoughts on these things. Kane Corns was one of a number of people to come out and say that Yes, well, you should have just seen what Lucas Holmes did with his eyes there. Um, a very interesting one. Kane Corns came out and said he thinks that there should be a send-off rule in the AFL. Now, Lucas and I have been commentating community and now Premier League football in New South Wales for many years, and we have yellow and red cards in our footy. Lucas, is it time to consider even a yellow card in the AFL, given that Richmond lost possibly their best footballer Tom Stewart cut it up and just got possession after possession. Geelong won by three. Open question. Is it time for them to consider yellow red cards in the AFL? In theory to me, David, yes, it is. The question to me is how you can actually implement it. There've been discussions with, when it comes to injuries and key injuries like this that are inflicted by opponents that the, the offender t- is on the sideline for the same time as the person involved with the injury, which for me doesn't make any sense because players have recovery rates at different periods of time. We see now that when players come back from ACL injuries, it's sometimes nine months where it always used to put a ruler through them for a year. So there's always different recovery times for certain injuries. Um, As I said, in theory, I think it's a good idea. I just think it's going to be almost impossible to implement because there can be different scenarios that it can be implemented in. Okay, a further question on that without notice. Yep. If it's good enough for next level football, or um, you and I have the pleasure of commentating one of the best community leagues in New South Wales. If it's good enough at this level, why can't a yellow and red card system, which is used extensively in uh, world football, it's used in rugby league and other and in, 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 in England, it's used in hockey, it's used in rugby union. And they are at premium, they are at top level. Why can't 
So Tom Stewart p- commits a very bad offence, and it was blatant. Why can't that be? Why can't there be consideration to reduce Geelong for fifteen minutes to seventeen men, or take away half their interchange or something? But the first thing is, why can't there be a yellow card? Why? Why is it difficult to implement in the AFL? Yeah, I think we just haven't seen much of it used in our in our sporting code, David. Yes, yes it's a, it, we've used and it continues to be used at community level. But I just think it's trying to find that balance at professional and elite level sport on a national level. I just think it's going to be hard to implement over time. Yes, there have been, there've been various ways we've talked about bringing red and yellow cards or a send-off rule into the game. But it, it, I think it definitely needs to be in, in, implemented at some stage or at, at some level. I just think it's going to be really hard um, to implement it. And I think it might take... <laughs> With this too, with Stuart, because it's so it's almost recency bias, isn't it? Yes, we saw how important Stuart was in that in a tight three point victory over Richmond, but I think it might have to might take a few instances like this for it to really get the ball rolling. And I don't think, of course, you're not going to in, implement something mid season as big as this, but going forward, I think it's going to take time and take a few instances for it to happen. There's also been an issue, David, that, or an instance where the the Spoken about a lot uh, out of bounds rule, David. In this in Sandford at the moment, uh, a free kick is paid for last touch out of bounds, which for me I think is a bit ludicrous. It takes away Ruckman even more than we are at the moment. But uh, Chris Scott spoke about sorry, not Chris Scott, excuse me, Brad Scott, um, who's high up in AFL operations at the moment, spoke about potentially introducing a last touch out of bounds rule, much like the AFLW have in between, sorry, yeah, in between the Ford 50s at the moment. That one takes it. You'll have to convince me on that one. That one I'd have to give some thought to. I'm not a fan. Having seen that rule played at community level when there's no boundary umpires, not not sure if it works at elite level. And finally, Lucas, before we look at round 16, Melbourne back to business on top of the ladder in a ruthless, devastating performance against a poor Brisbane. Uh, If ever there was a, a statement of intent, this was it from the Melbourne footy club. It well and truly was, David. I think we both tipped, both tipped Melbourne, but nowhere near as much. Um, Melbourne 16 goals, 21 could uh, leave, leave a little bit more to be desired, but it didn't matter on Thursday night. Did it a huge 64-point uh, win for Melbourne. It's actually their largest margin of victory against Brisbane since 1998. And for Brisbane too, they were minus 37 in contested position possessions, excuse me, which is their worst differential since 2017. So some uh, some unwanted st- statistics there for Brisbane, but Melbourne keep on keeping on. They regained Stephen May, David, from that internal suspension with that uh, off-field incident with Jake Melksham a couple of weeks ago and Clayton Oliver, who's leading the AFL Coaches Association Player of the Year at the moment. 35 disposals, two tackles, 12 clearances. And Jack Viney, the former captain of the club keeps going after returning from a long injury layoff, 34 disposals, seven tackles and eight clearances. And without Max Gorn, David, it didn't take much. Luke Jackson, who's been in the media this week, West Coast will go hard after him going forward. He had 21 disposals, 18 hitouts, a goal, nine tackles and three clearances in the ruck for Melbourne. And Max Gorn will come back crucially before the end of the season and will be cherry ripe with no injuries when he goes into the final series, which makes them even more awesome. Okay, we're on to Thursday Night Footy again this week, round 16, Thursday Night Football tomorrow night. A very good time of football, actually, at the Wollong Gabba, Brisbane hosting the Western Bulldogs. Friday Night Football's Cartman St Kilda at Docklands. Saturday, early at the MCG Eston hosting Sydney. 
Twilight, Adelaide hosting Melbourne. Massive test for Adelaide. Uh, Saturday night, 7.25, down at Cadinia. Geelong will belt the tripe out of North Melbourne. Gold Coast and Collingwood's actually one of the games of the round at Carrara on Saturday night. That's a cracker. The 2.10 game on Saturday afternoon is Richmond hosting the West Coast Eagles at the MCG. My Giants host Hawthorne in an interesting fixture at Sydney Olympic Park. And then Freo hosts Port Adelaide over there at Optus to finish off a huge weekend of football at Optus Stadium again with there being um, Australia playing England in a test match um, over there on the weekend as well. Uh, Lucas, Brisbane and uh, Footscray. Brisbane and the Western Bulldogs is a great game of football. Brisbane $1.40, the Doggies $2.90. I think that's a bit far out, but I'd I'm sorry, the Western Bulldogs are just a little bit inconsistent. I think Brisbane will have to come back after being pogoed by Melbourne. I think they'll beat the Bulldogs by 17 points. Yeah, I think they'll bounce back too, David. We've spoken about length, and I have as well, that teams that get belted uh, the week before come back to the come back to the pack a little, and that teams that uh, do the belting also come back a little as well. I'm expecting that from Brisbane. They're back at home Thursday night at the Gabba. I think they'll be a little bit too good. Uh, for the Bulldogs, David, um, they'll be without the Bulldogs will be without Ed Richards um, for one week with concussion, so he'll be missing. And Brisbane too, uh, it looks like Jared Lyons will be ta- taking a fitness test with some sore ribs. No Darcy Gardner for them going forward. He injured his lungs a few weeks ago. Harris Andrews was also on the injured list following the game, David, um, against Melbourne, but he's been since taken off. So it looks like it might be a Harris Andrews and an Aaron Norton showdown, which will be great to see. Um, saying that Brisbane for me, but about three or four goals on Thursday night. Cartland St Kilda. Now, if you go back to when I was a young bloke watching football, when these games were played at Moorabbin, mysteriously there'd be a drought in Melbourne and the Moorabbin Square would be three foot deep in mud to stop the Carlton runners. Luckily, these days that doesn't happen. This game's at Docklands and um, St Kilda were poor against Sydney. They'll put up a better fight against Carlton. However, Carlton are going places and I think Carlton will win by 20 points. Uh, Carlton could have a big in of their own, David, as we spoke about at the time. Jacob Wiedering injured his AC joint in his shoulder in that tight loss over Collingwood in round 11, David. So either this week, David, Friday night or the following week for Jacob Wiedering. Also another fascinating matchup if Wiedering does come back, David. Jacob Wiedering on Max King will be superb to watch. If not, uh, Carlton for me, David, regardless, even if Wiedering isn't there. Sam Walsh had 40 touches on the weekend. He was outstanding. Um, they had lost another key defender, David, and Jordan Boyd went down with a foot injury. He'll miss the next eight to 12 weeks, almost certainly uh, ruling him out of the season. So it um, might be good timing for Wiedering to come back. But regardless, Carlton, for me, David, by about five or six goals. Essendon and Sydney at the MCG. Essendon have just had one of those seasons they want to forget. The Swans have had their ups and downs, but they were really good against St Kilda. The Swans actually love playing at the MCG. And I cannot see Essendon beating them, although it's in Melbourne. Sydney by 25 for me. Yeah, actually attended this corresponding matchup last uh, last time we went to Melbourne a few years ago, David, at the MCG. Um, Essendon and the Swans, he said, Sydney, we're outstanding over St Kilda. Essendon leaving a little bit to be decided in that loss to West Coast. But I think Sydney will be too strong away from home. We, you said that there, David, they have such a, still have such a loyal following. In, um, in Melbourne, David, and they wear their sort of their chain jumper, the plain white with the red V in every away game this this season in Melbourne, David, too, and in Victoria, excuse me. So we'll see that again on Saturday afternoon and Sydney will be too strong, David. Essendon will look to bounce back after that loss to West Coast, but I can't see them anywhere 
uh, close to Sydney on this occasion, David. Sydney, for me, six to seven goals. That's interesting. Six to seven is big. Next two games, I'm, uh, I don't think I need to spend – we need to spend too much time on. Melbourne oh. will beat Adelaide at the Adelaide Oval and Geelong will beat North Melbourne at Cadinia Park. It's just the margins. Melbourne will win by 30 or 40. Geelong could win by a, upwards of 70 or 80 at Cadinia Park. Unless it's wet and terrible at Geelong, they will be – both of those games won't be close. Yeah, and uh, speaking of famous family members, as we did earlier on, David, North Melbourne – had a debutant last week, David. Jackson Archer played yep. his first game for the club. Um, great to see. There was a video floating around of a, a FaceTime or a Skype call between Jack uh, Jackson and his famous father, Glenn Archer, who famously played a number of games for the North Melbourne Football Club in, in excess of 300 games. So great to see a, a son of a legend of the game continuing at his father's club. Indeed. And Glenn Archer, of course, I believe is the, shin boner, shin, the best shin boner of all time. If, if my memory is correct, although there's another player that should have probably got that mark, but he causes his own he causes his own downfall. The game of the round, to be quite honest, this is a cracking game at Carrara on Saturday night. Gold Coast against Collingwood. Gold Coast $1.78, Collingwood $2.08. Um, for mine, I think it comes down to one or two plays in, in particular. Um, can Collingwood stop Tuke Miller getting first use of the football? And can Collingwood's myriad of midfielders um, despite Tuke Miller, do the business. I think they can. The Gold Coast are not a bad side. They are improving. They should have beaten Port Adelaide, but I'm going to pick Collingwood by 13 points. I just think Collingwood have got a bit too much class. Yeah, I don't actually think... Yeah, yes, Miller is going to play an important role, David, in this game, but I'll, pre- I'll preface it with that. But I actually think it'd be um, Jared Witts who might cause the issues, David, a former Collingwood uh, football club player from New South Wales. Um, now playing his trade at the Gold Coast Suns. He's a captain of the club. He's been really underrated for me the last couple of seasons. He's been outstanding so far this season. And they might have a huge in too, David. Jack Lacocious um, might play his first game since round eight for the Gold Coast Suns against the Collingwood side. So it'd be interesting to see how they go about that. There, Cameron uh, taking on wits in the middle. I've, spoke, I've spoken about before at length. If Miller looks to get out of arm's reach, so they might move Scott Pendlebury to took Miller, David, to do a bit of a run-with role, and he's done that in the past um, with a number of players around the league, so that could be a possibility. Um, saying that, Gold Coast at home, Saturday night, it's going to be, t- even though I'm a Collingwood supporter, David, it's going to be tough um, to tip this one. I still go with Collingwood, David, but I think it'd be a really tight game. Um, Collingwood, for me, by about 10 points. And I think from memory last time, Levi Casbolt did the damage, David, four or five goals. He kicked in that tight game as well. Yep. Richmond and West Coast, a few weeks ago, I'd have said this is probably an 80-point job. I don't think that's the case now. I think West Coast have been accountable, especially the last three weeks. They've played reasonable football, to be honest with you, particularly against Geelong and then again against Essendon. I think Richmond will win, but it's a matter of how far by. Probably 36 points, 30 points. I think West Coast will make them at least accountable and challenge them in areas where they couldn't a few weeks ago. They are definitely improving, although they're coming from a low base. Richmond by six goals for me. Yeah, uh, speaking of uh, Ruckman, David, and doing a good job, Nick Natanui uh, returned in the waffle last week, David, so he could be a potential inclusion uh, against Richmond. That being the case, I still think Richmond will be too good. Yes, no, Dion Prestia, a couple of injuries there, settling at Richmond and at Punt Road, but I don't think it'll make a difference. Richmond, for me, David, by six goals. The Giants and Hawthorns are really interesting fixture on Sunday afternoon on the Channel 7 game. 
at 20 past three at Sydney Olympic Park. The Giants have been playing reasonable footy ever since Leon Cameron walked out the door and Mark Vay took over in it on an interim basis. Uh, Hawthorne are a bit up and down. They're, as Lucas said earlier, their best and worst aren't too far different. Um, but, of course, being a Giants man and also the fact that this is at home, I think I'll pick the Giants by 17 points. Um, I think the Giants have earned the right to be favourites here. I will too, David. Um, the Giants had the inclusion of both Tim Taranto, Daniel Lloyd and Phil Davis in that tight loss last week, David, in Braden Maynard's 150th game, which I forgot to uh, gloss over earlier on. But I think that'll be good for them, uh, Davis, who thought at, at the t- time of his hamstring injury that could be his career over. He's a very good uh, key back, David. It'll be interesting to see what they do with Mitch Lewis. I know Lockie Keith played in the ruck against Collingwood on the weekend, David. He's but he's a key back by trade, so it might be a rotation with Davis and with Keith. It depends what they do in the ruck with Braden Pruce uh, still out with suspension, David. So it'll be interesting to see what they do there. And I've spoken about Hawthorne a little bit earlier in the podcast as well, so we know what they can do. Chad Wingard's have an improving season. Um, Tom Mitchell cont- continues to do what Tom Mitchell does. And James Sicily, who's also signed a contract extension earlier in the season, um, continues uh, to be right up there in terms of key defenders and intercept defenders. But that, all that being said, David, as you alluded to, the Giants at home, um, a traditional 3.20 slot on Sunday afternoon, I think they'll be too good. Although it'll be a very uh, decent and tight contest for me, David, the Giants by three goals. The final game at Optus Stadium across in Perth is 20 past five Eastern uh, Standard Time is Fremantle and Port. Uh, Fremantle wounded after getting bit fixed up by Carlton last week. Port Bit of confidence about them after being the Gold Coast. However, um, not convinced that Port Adelaide are playing good football away from the confines of Adelaide Oval. And I think from Adelaide win by four goals over there at Optus Louis. Yeah, it'd be interesting, David. I spoke about, we spoke about that Carlton defeat from uh, from Fremantle, which Michael Voss labelled as a signature win for his new Carlton Football Club. So we we'll see what that does um, for Fremantle's confidence coming into this game. There's a little bit of conjecture too coming out of that game about Nathaniel Five, David, he made a contact with an umpire at a stoppage yep. after it was a little bit of a, a little, not, I wouldn't call it a melee, but a little bit of handbags at 10 paces that we like to term it on a Saturday afternoon when you and I have a, have a microphone against against our mouths. But uh, there was no further charge there from Fife because Michael Christian believed it wasn't a reportable offence. So there was no further damage there for Nathaniel Fife, but he's still coming back from that long injury layoff. A couple of runs will do... It'll do well for him. Will Brody continues to be the shining light over there. After he was a salary cap casualty of the Gold Coast Suns, he had 36 disposals last week, David. Uh, for Fremantle, he continues to go strength to strength. It'll be interesting to see how, how Matt Tabner goes against um, Cleary and Jonas, the key defenders for Port Adelaide. So it'll be interesting to see how they go. But Fremantle back at home, their favourites, and I think for good reason as well. They'll bounce back, David. Fremantle for me by three goals. Onto the unofficial Brownlow Medal leaderboard on the ESPN. Louis already mentioned a couple of players that had big games last week who've rocketed up. So Tuke Miller did get a vote. He's on 16. Sam Walsh from Carlton, a three vote. He moves to 16. Christian Petrarca, 16. Patrick Cripps, Carlton, 18. Clayton Oliver votes. He's gone to 21 and a half. So he's equal second with Andrew Brayshaw. And Lockie Neal's out in front, 22 and a half. So I would reckon that top group's got it between them. Um, I don't think it's... I think it's possible that Miller could get up there. I think it's going to be very close Brownlow this year. Um, but I think it's going to come out of Miller, Walsh, Petrarca, Cripps, Oliver, Brayshaw and Neil. Gorn can't win it now because he's injured for too long. I think the fact that Gorn's injured will really help Oliver, who's just a ball magnet. 
Um, and of course, um, uh, Lockie Neal playing in very good form. Andrew Brayshaw was playing, also playing in good form. And uh, Sam Walsh playing excellent footy. Patrick Cripps has been a bit quiet last couple of weeks, but he's still there or thereabouts. But uh, it's a very interesting um, leaderboard from Miller upwards, Louis. Yeah, uh, whereabouts, David, if you've got that in front of you, is Rory Laird at the moment. He had another outstanding week. He had 34 disposals, although in a, well, it was a big win for Adelaide in the end. He had 34 disposals, 11 tackles and 11 clearances. He continues to impress. The top Adelaide vote-getter is Ben Keys on 10.5. Laird's not in the top 20. Mm, there you go. But it's, it, has been a, it has been a Keys and Laird show, David. And just going back to that game very quickly, there was actually some AFL history um, I'm not sure if we've actually discussed this before, David, in this game on the weekend. It was, a, it was to do with the metres gain stat. Aaron Hall had a AFL, made AFL history. He broke the record for the metres gain, which I have some conjecture about so to, to make, for me to do with effective disposals. But he had 1,169 metres gain in that game against Adelaide on the weekend. Yeah, I reckon that's an interesting stat. I, I, yeah. I like, I, for me, I like contested possessions and effective use of the footy, particularly contested possessions. Like, I, I'm not sure whether Dane Swan would win a Brownlow these days. He would get votes, but he got a lot of his touches behind the football, and some of them were uncontested. I, I think Dane Swan was a superb footballer, get me wrong. But Neil Brasher and some of these guys, Cripps is a monster. Cripps is all as big as a. They're, they're, they're just big men. Took Miller's yep. a beast, you know. So, yep. anyway, um, look, that takes care of that. Anything else you want to discuss before we bid our um, dear friends adieu for the night? I will, David. We'll be heading to round 12 of AFL Sydney, David, on the weekend at Mike Kenny Ovals. Um, you and I broadcasting from two grounds that back onto each other this weekend in Cherrybrook. So, it'll be an interesting one, but they're going to be two pretty good games footy, David. Round 12, AFL Sydney, the Pennant Hills Demons, and North Shore Bombers. Uh, women's Premier Division 12:30 on the bottom oval, and men's Premier Division from 12:40. Sorry, excuse me, from 2:40 on the top oval. And that that men's Premier Division game has real portents. What the uh, top five will shape out at. And given the, the forecast that, of the Premier Division men's season. Sorry, mate, you just cut out there for a second. My bad. Um, given the forecast in Sydney this week, they'll be practicing wet weather footy. 50 mils at least forecast in Cherrybrook. On Saturday, it's going to be wet weather footy. We've been blessed with dry weather for weeks and weeks. We had a glorious day at, at um, beautiful Trumper Park on, on Saturday. Ain't going to be that uh, this week. It's going to absolutely hoe down. So people in front, contested ball getters, um, small forwards, people like that are going to come to fall. It's just going to be fascinating to see who does the who can do the best job. Lucas, thank you so much for your time again. We'll catch up with you very shortly. We'll do, David. Look forward to speaking to you then. On behalf of Lucas Holmes, this is David Ridden. It's been our absolute pleasure bringing you our uh, weekly AFL podcast. We look forward to speaking to you next week and we will look at round 17 of the AFL. From now, from Louis and myself, it's goodbye.